Welcome into episode 95 of the Natural Hattrick podcast, the Alexei Morozov episode. Wow. Yeah. Nice. How'd you pull that out? Did we even mention him? Did you mention his oh, name? Yeah. yeah, I did. Yeah, we did. Okay. I did. I heard Michel Petit. I must have yeah, just, that, it was, that must was have the name right there. Or Sergey Berezin. Morozov was right there in the sweet spot of the worst Penguins years from 98 to 2004. That's, they, okay. They won like a combined like 18 I, I understand completely now. Yeah. Penguins. Until they got like seven number one picks in a row. That is the voice of Craig Morgan. Are you wearing a mic? I'm wearing a mic, I believe. Unless Jamie muted me. He's wearing a mic, and he's in Phoenix. He is not only in Phoenix, he's in studio. He's right here. I am. Craig, how you doing? I've been here for hours, actually. Just commitment to the show. Yeah, that's it. Something like that. He's making up for lost time. That's Mm -hmm. the voice of Jamie Eisner, and I'm the voice of Luke Lipinski. (laughs) We're back. We're reunited. Um, Oh, you should have let me know. I would have played Peaches and Herb. You're always looking for an excuse to play Peaches and Herb. So, Craig, you're back. Can you tell us uh, tales of wonder from your adventures? Oh, my God. Where do we start? Iowa City. Iowa City was so far along in the trip. So much had happened by Iowa City. Should we just Iowa City was a good cupcake from some place that won, apparently won Cupcake Wars, which is a show that my daughters watch. Yeah. Which I didn't know existed, of course. I do now. And the cupcake was really good. Maybe you're on it. Cupcake Wars? It could be now. Who knows? Wearing a Marion Hosa jersey and eating a cupcake. If you see Marion Hosa, yeah, that happened too while I was. Yeah. Pretty much everything happened while you were gone. Yeah. It started with the Mike Smith trade. It did. Mm -hmm. So. Almost in Springfield, Missouri. This is what we're going to do. Jamie and I said the Coyotes have a new goalie, a new captain, a new new number one center, a new coach. New president, CEO. New president. A new president of hockey operations. Yes. Same guy, but promoted. A new sole owner now. New sole owner. But not a new arena. So can you go on the road? Next Craig Morgan trip. Craig, where are you going on vacation again? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. So the running joke, if for some reason you're listening for the first time and it's episode 95, I encourage you to go back and listen to the previous 94 episodes in their entirety, right in a row. Just binge listen. That's a thing, right? Or have we totally a thing now. Okay. Netflix. Yeah. Are we on Netflix? Don't think we not are. Yet. We should Netflix be. Netflix or Hulu. Right after Game of Thrones, Amazon you can listen Prime, to the Natural Hat Trick podcast. Oh, okay, yes. Think of us as the Game of Thrones of hockey podcasts. So the running... Well, with a lot, lot less nudity. Yeah, okay. Oh. That's good. All right, moving along. <laughs> so the running joke on this show... That was maybe, the voice of Jamie Eisner, by the way. I no, did not say that. Not to be confused with the voice of reason, which I don't think you'll have I, I have never been confused with the voice of reason. No, I think people will be able to differentiate pretty quickly. The, the running joke on this show has been when Craig goes out of town, Coyotes news happens. It just, it, it's been the joke on the show, it's been a joke off the show. Craig knows when he leaves town, something's going to happen. So Craig left, do you remember the exact date when you left? I know it was June Friday. 16th. Okay, so June 17th, Mike Smith was traded. And should Jamie and I just start throwing things at you that have changed and you could tell us where you were in the continental United States at that That'd point? That would be a fun game. I'd, I'd actually have to figure it out. What are, the, what, are those, what are those things called, those word problems where you have a word on, you have two columns of words and you have to pair them up? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, stopped, I stopped doing that. Like, that was, that, they I'm sorry. That's math or something. I thought it was going to be an age reference yeah, for a minute I stopped there. doing that when I was five, and they yeah. weren't on the back of my cereal boxes anymore. <laughs> so we'll just basically play it like it's password. So, okay, we'll start with Mike Smith. Where were you? Because this is what people have to remember. When Craig goes on vacation, every time he goes on vacation, he's like, I'm just, my favorite tweet was when you're like, I'm taking a news-only approach, no more random tweets. And there was just a stream of news for the next like <laughs> yeah. four days. 
Yeah, Craig's like, no, I'm taking a stand. I'm going to try to enjoy myself on this vacation. Yeah. Only news. Did you see your family at all on the vacation you took with your family? Most of the news broke while I was driving. That, that was the biggest problem. So it, it created a challenge because I had to... physically driving. Sometimes. Yourself. Sometimes wow. we'd pull over in a rest area and my wife would take over the wheel and I'd be tweeting on my phone. This is going to be great. We're going to play Where's the Craziest Place You Either Broke or Heard Breaking oh, Coyotes News. Let, let's, I'll, we'll start with Mike Smith because that was the beginning of the journey. I had just crossed the Missouri border from Oklahoma. People should also know you were driving, not flying. Yes, anywhere. we drove for many reasons, which I won't get into. <laughs> Sometimes you just like the drive. My parents were in tow, by the way, in the car behind us. So this, that's, that's part of the reason we drove. This is a full caravan. It was crazy. Yeah. It was okay. insane. My, my daughters were in the car. My dogs were in the car. <laughs> this is basically the Morgan family vacation. It was. It, yeah. It was Chevy Chase, all that. Yep. Did you ever get to Wally World? <laughs> no, no. We did not. Uh, where were you when the Shane Doan stuff happened? I was in rural Missouri on my way from Springfield to St. Louis. Got a text from Shane that I did not receive because I had no cell service. It came through, I think, 20 minutes later, and then I tweeted out, of course, and talked to Shane that, that moment. So, yes, but it happened between, somewhere between Springfield and St. Louis. I can't remember the town. Okay. We'll just say it was uh, Alton, Illinois. No, it saying. was still Missouri. Oh, okay. Hadn't crossed the river yet. Alton, Missouri. Um, Jamie, you want to throw any, anything in here? Dave Tippett, I think, was next. Yeah. Well, no, hold on. No, hold on. no. Where were you when Tamu Polkanen got expansion drafted by the Vegas Golden Knights? I was in Chicago. I was already in my, my rental place in the city, and I was actually sitting in front of TV watching the uh, expansion draft. So I was settled. I was actually settled in a place when the huge Tamu Polkanen and, news And we were it. sitting in the world's narrowest media room. Yeah, Jamie in and the I bowels of T-Mobile with every other hockey reporter in Ever. basically the U.S. Funny story from that, because you saw all the speculation about what might happen with the Coyotes in the expansion draft. And I never did a mock draft. You guys know how I feel about mock drafts. Yes. I think you guys even commented on it that day. You love them. Oh, multiple times, yeah. Luke and I are but the worst. as soon as Tamu Polkina gets, I have to share this. I send up John Chaiga a text message saying, wow, Tamu Polkina, really? He's, and he... He responds, ha, who had Tamu Polkin in, in the mock draft? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> so it was, it was just worthless to even speculating on what was going to happen with Vegas. One publication did. The Hockey News did oh, their mock draft. Right. Good for them. They mocked, they mocked the whole thing out. They had three names correct. They didn't even have Flurry right. They had, I think, Carl Hagler. Three names? They just had three names? They had three names. And again, and Tamu Polkin was one of them. No, no, That's crazy. The, and they didn't have the gimme. They had three names correct. They had a whole team, but only three of the names were correct. And yes, Tamu Polkanen was one of them. So they know something that apparently we don't know. I'm guessing Tamu Polkanen doesn't know. And apparently even the front office doesn't know. Yep. They're also the first thing that the hockey news has gotten right about the Coyotes in about 10 years. That's true. <laughs> and I was going to say we all know which author it wasn't that wrote it, but I just won't even go down that oh, path. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, okay, so then Dave Tippett, that was the next day. That was the, on the eve of the draft. Yes, that was, was, that was between Polkanen, Gate, and then the Dave Tippett thing. I was set to see Dave Tippett when that news came down. I was going to talk to him. By his masters. Because, you know, there was, there was a lot of speculation leading into it, and then I, I confirmed that he was, in fact, in Chicago, yes. was going to meet with him, and then suddenly they had agreed to part ways. So if you're wondering if you're scoring at home, Dave Tippett will not be a guest on the podcast today, is basically what Craig is telling us. He couldn't lock down that interview for us. Uh, I didn't know you wanted it. No. I think it was implied. I doubt it. He's probably still doing cleanup on his Minnesota home. Yeah, he's had a... It was a rough summer. Yeah, seriously. Um, Although, he, he got a nice little buyout, so... Yeah, I say he's probably counting his, uh, his paycheck in 
thinking about how much less stress he has right now than he, he would be normally. Actually, while we're on this, because we really didn't get to talk to Craig about this, do you think he will coach again as like a head coach in the NHL? Absolutely. That was the story I wrote right after it. He definitely wants to coach. The desire still burns in him. He just felt it was... It was time. I mean, I, I talked about some of the reasons. His relationship with Andrew Barraway wasn't working. I think he sensed that he was losing some control over where this team was going. Obviously, John Chica just got promoted to president of hockey operations, so I think he thought it was time to exit gracefully, step aside, and pursue other things. And you know what? Aside from all that, aside from all the dysfunction that may have existed within the Coyotes organization, he might be right about simply that. Just take a step back for a moment. He's going to get other opportunities. We all know he's going to get other opportunities. So why not take a step back, just reevaluate and, and re-energize as much as anything. As much as anyone other than probably Shane Doan, Dave Tippett has been through the Coyotes ringer. He has dealt with so much garbage here oh, yeah. with arena talk, ownership talk, all the instability, the roster so much stuff that he's had to focus on instead of simply trying to create a winning team on the ice. Maybe it was a good time to just take a step back and, and really just, like I said, re-energize. He has been here since, what, three months after they after Jerry Moyes declared bankruptcy? Crazy to think about, isn't yeah, it? Training camp so much has happened since then. Yeah. And so not even the start happened. of training camp 2009. No. Just during training camp, Wolf Samuelson was the coach. Remember for a couple of weeks yeah. to start that off yep. to sort of bridge the gap over to Dave Tippett. So. I would imagine that if you're a team that's underperforming around uh, around Christmas time, if you're a head coach, you'd be a little bit nervous because there is now a very very viable replacement for you now out there. Absolutely, and that time frame seems to work for me too. I mean, when you when you think about the need to re-energize, first of all, just. It's, it's not going to happen in a couple months. I mean, he, I don't think he wants to turn around. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong because he still loves coaching. I don't think he wants to turn around and jump right into a training camp yet. But, yeah, he could have some time to rest, get, get his house fixed up in Minnesota, and when the first coaching firing happens, he could step right into the fold if it's the right situation for him. In terms of just how long he had been with the Coyotes, this, this can put it in perspective. He was the second longest tenured coach in the NHL. Uh, the second longest tenured coach with, with their current team now in the NHL. You guys care to guess who it is? I don't think you'll. I mean, it's, it's not anything amazing. Uh, Alan Vigneault with the New York Rangers, Jeez. who has been with his team for just over four years. And when I say just over four years, I mean like four years in a month. So four, four seasons with the same team makes you the second longest tenured coach in the NHL. It's insane. Of course the longest is uh, Joel Quenville, but I mean everybody else, if you go up and down the list, it's, it's a bunch of guys from 2016, 2017, a few 2015s, it's unreal. So. And Joel Quenville, by the way, something happened with him while I was in Chicago as well. Yeah. He stormed out of a meeting. But of course it was, wasn't related to the fact that they traded Nicholas Chalmerson and Artemi Panarin. <laughs> Had nothing to do with that. Yeah, well they got Brandon Saad back. You did get Brandon Saad back, and I don't mind that, but... But, uh... Yeah, you're, the Nick Chalmerson deal from a Chicago standpoint... Didn't uh, make a ton of sense. No, I don't get what they got out of that. And I don't think he... Except for salary understands. cap relief. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Connor Murphy, I think, is a decent player, but if you're Chicago and you're trying to win the Stanley Cup, Nicholas Chalmerson was a pretty big part of three Stanley Cups. Just because he didn't have the goals doesn't mean he wasn't And a big your blue line was already a problem, and now you've lost him and Trevor Van Riemsdyk. And you've got Connor Murphy, who, great guy. I think he maybe still has some upside, but he's probably a number five defenseman in the NHL. 
And maybe, and you know, maybe like you said, upside. Maybe he becomes a, a, a second pairing defenseman, but that's that's the ceiling probably. And yeah, it's going to take time, which Chicago doesn't necessarily have with the group they currently have put together. Chicago's a bubble team now. When you say bubble team, do you mean like bubble to make the playoffs? Yeah. I want to see what happens when they get the Hosa relief at the at the trade deadline. See what they do there. That'll be interesting to watch. Hold but on, Jamie's going to insult. Yeah. I, okay. I wonder, what other bubble do you think I'm talking about? Well, the bubble uh, that people take photographs at in Chicago. The March Madness bubble. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm going to be a tournament team. He has them uh, as his. What other? Numbers, no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just curious. What other bubble? Well, I I would think that it would be less ridiculous to say they're a bubble team in terms of being an actual contender to win the cup. Well, I don't think they're that. I saw super elastic bubble plastic on my road trip. Does that count? I didn't know it still existed. Can you say that three times fast? Super elastic bubble plastic. No, just once. Just speed it up and then edit it in as if he did. Just have him saying it in the background for the rest of the show. (laughs) Uh, Chicago, okay, let's play this game. Has a better chance of making the Stanley Cup next year or missing the playoffs completely? I mean, they feel like a team that makes the playoffs and wins the series. I think they'll make the playoffs. Okay. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think now, I think, but I think they're... The third best team in the Central? Maybe I don't think they're a cup contender. Team. I really don't. Their, their blue line's a mess. It's a mess. You want to talk about Brian Campbell, though, right now? Since we're well, we're on the right topic. Yeah. I mean, he did win a cup with the Blackhawks, and now he's retired. And I, uh, I'm glad he won a cup with the Blackhawks, but all I can think about is that $7.1 million and change cap hit that he had on the books for the Blackhawks for a very long time, which was a terrible contract. <laughs> Somewhat it was a terrible contract, and that was way back when. Your uh, seven point one. Your initials, your story. God, it feels like it was forever ago. It was like a month ago, a month and a half on Stan Bowman, and the job that he has done with with various contracts. Well, uh, this was a Dale Talon contract, but yeah, in but, fairness. But in terms of of just what Stan Bowman has done, that that story, I know it wasn't meant to predict, but it seems very prophetic now, considering the moves they've had to make this summer. Yeah. So. He's put himself in a terrible situation, it's, but he, yeah, it's he's getting a free more, pass from a lot of people still. It's becoming more Oh, he won, he won cups. He won all those cups. No, he, not really. He didn't really do most of the major moves that put those teams together. He got he, rings. He had, he had a, a good trade deadline one year, but he's had some bad trade deadlines since, and he's had some really bad contracts. What else happened on this, uh, this trip while Craig was gone? The actual draft itself. The draft itself where the, the Coyotes reshaped their roster and... All the negative vibes that were occurring were, were, were turned on their ear because John Chica had a great day at the draft, a great first day at the draft. Before the draft even started. Right. Well, I mean, we'll see what the draft picks. You never know how they're going to pan out. But to get a top-pairing defenseman who I agree with him is going to pair really well with EL, you got a Derek Stabon, who's probably not a number one center, but he certainly improves your center depth dramatically over what you had. And you got a goalie who a lot of people think is ready to take that step and be a number one pl- uh, number one goaltender, and he's on a much better contract. I feel like most people I've talked to that are Coyotes fans, the one that they they, I shouldn't even say are skeptical. They loved all three of those acquisitions. The one that that people still have the most uncertainty over is is Antti Ranta. Is that fair? I mean, we know what Derek Step. We certainly know what Nicholas Jalmerson is. I think we know what Derek Stepan is. He's pretty consistently about twenty goals, fifty eight points, and, and helps on the other end of the ice. Like you said, he's not a true franchise number one center, but he can play it until they get one or whatever, and he can, he can fill that role for this team. Uh, but Ranta, I guess, has some question marks, and yet, in my mind, he might even have the most upside of that group. He may. It's, listen, goalies are a crapshoot. You just don't know with these guys, but he's, he's on a good contract, and, and they have flexibility in the future if he doesn't pan out, right? Yeah. So there, there's that side of it, too, and he played well. 
And I think some people still are under the impression that New York was a good defensive team. New York's blue line was a mess, so if you move him to the Coyotes, uh, I, the Coyotes are not a good defensive team. At least they haven't been the last couple seasons, so we'll still see how he plays behind that unit. But it's not like he was coming from a great possession or defensive team anyway, and he played really well. Yeah, ask uh, any Rangers fan how they feel about New York's defense last year, and they'll tell you they love Ryan McDonough, and that's about it. Right? Oh, here's another funny story from Chicago okay. related to Antiranta. His goalie coach, of course, was Benoit Allaire, who was here, who was the guy who reshaped Sean Burke's career. Sean Burke, in turn, used those me that methodology to reshape Ilya Brzezgalov's career, Mike Smith's career. So the chain goes on and on. So I reached out to Benny. Benny never talks. He's completely paranoid. He doesn't want to talk even off the record. So he just he basically kindly told me that. He, he said a couple nice things, you know, that about him, just bland stuff, but he doesn't want to talk about anybody off the record. But the next day, I'm in a pizza place in Chicago, and my phone rings, and it's Benoit Allaire. And when I pick it up, he asks if it's a carpet repair service. I said, Benny, this is Craig Morgan. Oh, and then he just starts laughing because he thought he'd call the carpet repair instead. <laughs> okay, so we're going to need to start to establish some sort of Timeline? Well, okay, so Benoit Allaire thinks you're a carpet cleaning service. Yes. You're I, I don't know how I get mistaken for that, but... Yager thinks you're his Colombian friend. So just to be clear, you're not yeah, you're neither Yager, Colombian nor a carpet cleaner. Correct. Okay. But on this show, you will be known as the Colombian carpet cleaner. <laughs> I like it. Okay. What were you going to say about Yager? I can't believe he still doesn't have a home. Yeah, what's, what's going to happen? Somebody there? sign Yarmir Yager. Yeah. He could still he could still get you some points. It's not like a charity case. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand why Don and Ginler are out there. I don't understand why Yager is still out there. Those hands. He's took, he can still work magic in the offensive zone. On the power play. Get him for your power play. Uh, let's see. Draft. That happened the same day. That uh, was really mild in comparison to draft picks. I mean, they stocked up on defensemen again. People liked their draft. In the draft, we, in fairness, you knew that was going to take place while you were on vacation. You didn't know for yes. sure all of this other <laughs> stuff. By the way, we're still we're a week into your vacation at this point, right? And also, who takes a vacation more than a week, Jamie? How did you allow this? Don't you run this place? Well, it was a working vacation for the draft and free agency. Yeah. I knew that part of it. Well, it was a working vacation pretty much every day, as it turned out. Yeah. Uh, let's well, see. Yeah, little did you know. There was the Rick Tockett hiring. <laughs> yes. Free agency was quiet, right? Yeah, free yeah. agency was quiet. Free agency was pretty quiet. Yeah, there was the Rick Tockett hiring. There was the hiring of Steve Patterson, the new president and CEO. And, of course, we're still waiting for... Anthony Duclair and Jordan Martinuk to sign. What's, uh, what's the timeline with those, do you think? I uh, just heard from Jordan Martinuk's agent saying they're close, but he thinks the team may want to go to salary arbitration rather than bridge the final gap. Okay. So that, that arbitration date, again, is July 25th, so we're closing in on that. With Duclair, it's, I mean, I think everybody expected he'd sign a short-term deal after scoring five goals. You really don't have any leverage coming off a five-goal season, so you're probably going to sign a one- or two-year deal. I guess we just wait and see what that looks like. Here's a question for you. Okay. All right. Is Anthony Duclair, see how I can ask this, the player that gets impacted most by the coaching change for the Coyotes? Possibly. Okay. He was certainly in Dave Tippett's doghouse. Yeah. Dave Tippett looked at him as a complimentary player, a player who needed others to create offense for him. And... To this point in Anthony Duclair's career, I agree with him. I think he's sort of a north-south player who can use his speed, and he has some skills with the stick around the net, but 
He's not a guy who can carry puck through traffic, create offense for others. We'll see if that changes, but yeah, maybe, maybe just getting out from under Dave Tippett's thumb will be good for Anthony Duclair, a fresh approach and a guy who, as we've heard so many times, works well with young players. We'll see how Rick Tuckett does with Anthony Duclair. Do you think we, I, I would assume, but maybe, maybe it's more complicated than this, but I would assume at some point we're going to see Duclair with Max Domi again. Just to see, That pairing did seem to work pretty well two years ago. And if even I mean even if Rick Tockett comes in and, and sees Anthony the same way that Dave Tippett saw him, Max Domi can't get the puck through traffic and set somebody up. So I mean that's that's the sort of guy you want to put him with. He can, and now you've got another center too. And and maybe Dylan Strom is on this team if he, you know, shows enough progress in the skating and the the quick thinking of the game. So you've got guys who can be playmakers for him. Get him the puck. All right, let's go away from Coyotes for a little bit. We can come back. There's there's more stuff, but I don't want this to just be a total Coyotes podcast. Some of the contracts around the league. Colton Pareko signing with St. Louis and uh, Andre Palat re-signing with Tampa. Both of them re-signing with their, their current teams. But you guys both sort of noticed a pattern in these contracts. <laughs> I think everyone did. It's kind of a uh, potentially disturbing pattern. Nothing nothing certain yet, but there's um, if you read between the lines in these these two deals, there's uh, I don't know. It, it says that we may be looking at another work stoppage here down the line. Lockout. We're going to have to name this one. Remember in the first episode we named the previous two lockouts? Yeah. I don't remember what their names oh, were. Oh, I forgot. Oh, that's so – what are our listeners have to – are loyal. Are very loyal. Extremely loyal. Loyal, handsome, intelligent listeners need to tweet at us and remind us what we, what we called them. That was before they were, they were You guys don't names. even remember? You don't have the names? It was episode one. They, they were wow. single names. Actually, it and might it have been – It was just first names. Yeah. It was like – Was it like Beth? You were naming like Beth a lockout? tropical storm. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Jamie – the second episode was was much better than the first episode, and Jamie just deleted it. <laughs> Poof. Oh, that's that's the lost episode. That's the lost episode. Okay. Which I'm sure he's going to re-release in like 20 years, digitally mm-hmm. remastered or something. Right. Make our voice sound all auto-tuned. He'll ha- he'll have exclusive rights by that time. Yeah. Sell it for millions. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll take full ownership of the podcast and he'll cash in. So well, anyway, our signatures will be forged on the documents. And would that really surprise you? No. No. So why do you look at Colton Pareko's contract and see sadness? Sadness? Well, yes. I, I mean, I think everybody... It, it, it sort of looks like they're planning for a lockout, doesn't it? Yeah. They were called the Dan and Beth lockouts. <laughs> Wait, so was, was Beth the first one or the second one? Second one. I believe we made the comment that we did it out of order for names. Okay. And they're not in, like, alphabetical So order. the Dan lockout was the, the real... Yeah, it was the... No, we called, the, we called the Dan lockout the real deal lockout, the full season, and then Beth was the partial season. Okay. We didn't name the one from, like, the 90s. That's fine. Hopefully we don't have to name another one anytime soon, but if we do, we need to start coming up with names. What year would this be? 2021. Which I believe is when the NFL uh, strike will be, too. If, It'll if be a swell season for sports, won't it? The, the Roger lockout? Yes. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, nothing else really from those two contracts. We talked about Palat last week a little bit. Numbers took a major hit after that. Uh, that now three seasons ago, when Tampa had that crazy run with the triplets line, made the Stanley Cup, lost to the Blackhawks, and even the next year when they uh, when they got to the Eastern Conference Final and lost to the Penguins, it was mostly Nikita Kucherov. It really wasn't Tyler Johnson or Andre Palat. Colton Pareko, I think, is pretty much the main reason Kevin Shattenkirk was so expendable in yep. St. Louis's mind. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, unsigned. Oops. This is, I just can't, this is not going to go well. That might get it done, but this is going to cost them more money than 
It should have. And more, th more than 7.8 annual average. Well, yeah, as you pointed out in the last show, we talked about this. How do you, you there's no way you can have any conversation with him without talking about McDavid's contract. Of course not. You have to Which is why you should have done his deal first. Exactly. Do his deal first. I'm looking at the story. I cannot figure out why Peter Chiarelli could not have figured this out better. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. What was the rush? He's, he's what was the rush to get McDavid done? You could have said, look, we're going to work year. out Le Leon's deal, and then we're definitely going to get your deal done before the season starts. You had a year. And also, if you're going to pay him that Well, you could money. say before the season starts, even. Yeah. Because you, you got to solve Dreisaitl, But right? as I mentioned before, if you were going to pay McDavid that much money, you're offer sheet proof anyway. So what is your timeline is like 16 months. Yeah, he can't. McDavid can't even be offer sheeted for 11 and a half months from now. So I understand the urgency to get McDavid done this summer. I totally get that. But you could have got him done... Right. And at the end of August? I think you sent a statement by getting him done this summer. So I get that desire, but... But focus on Dreisaitl first for the very simple reason because somebody wrote a brilliant story for FanRag Sports Hockey uh, about a week ago. Very detailed look at the Leon Dreisaitl I missed it. you see it? Situation. Yeah. Okay. Something about a brilliant person. You guys should read it. doesn't come audience. up in the first two searches for, on Google for me, so... It is third. Though. It's all I, all I pay attention to is the top two. Okay, uh, got to get Craig's attention quick. Yeah. <laughs> get, <laughs> yeah he's done. Craig has he, he has no time. Um, in that story, I cited uh, Darren Dreger pointing out on TSM Radio that he's he can't see it for any less than nine million. A year. Well, that's the thing. I, I can't either. Can you? I mean, you, no. you know, McDavid took a you know pay cut, as they called it, and people are, are criticizing the Oilers for this. I think we talked about this already, which is ridiculous to me. You can you can ask a player to do that and still be you know get your new beautiful arena built. This is just the economics of the league, and it will help them yeah. win down the road by paying him a little less. Salary cap does not account for new arenas being built. Right. But when the guy's making over 12, you're going to ask this Dreisaitl, who, as we agreed, was their best player in the playoffs, you're going to ask him to take 7.8? What? Yeah. That's crazy. That's not happening. Well, that's, that's what Evgeny Kuznetsov just got, right? We all agree Dreisaitl's a much better, I shouldn't say much better, but he is, if you were drafting right now, would you I take, take Dreisaitl? Dreisaitl? Yes. yes. We all would. And I don't right. hesitate. And, also, and, more and, importantly, you're going to talk to the guy the physical human being who just gave Connor McDavid 12 Bingo. and a half. Bingo. You can't ignore that variable. Why is nobody offer sheeting him? I don't know. Probably because GMs don't believe in, oh, I'm just going to handicap my opponent. They yeah. don't believe in that approach. They believe I'm, I'm either going to get the player or I'm not going to bother. I think get that's... Him. I don't think they will. I think the Oilers will match whatever offer I, I, anybody makes for him. It will cripple the Oilers, but I do think they'll match and then it... Then it I don't think GMs want to create that ill will, which to me, I, I, I get it somewhat because it can come around to you at some point. But again, if you're, if you're using everything at your discretion to improve your team, why wouldn't you consider this one with a player like yeah. this? If you were going to offer sheet somebody and you were going to cause a potential rift, this is the sort of player you would do it over. And, and yeah. I mean, you could cripple Edmonton because, as Jamie has already noted, um, their GM hasn't proven the most capable of managing... No his personnel or the cap. So if he's got that much committed, he's just he's another bad deal away from just being in he's, big trouble because he's already got Milan Lucic signed yeah, until the turn of the millennium. To David and Lucic. I mean, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I believe, is getting $6 million. That's, that's not on him, but he's getting that money. Maybe he'll just trade Dreisaitl to Vancouver for Louis Erickson. There you go. No, Vancouver can't make smart trades. Oh. Yeah, um, you've got to go to another team. Trade for another defenseman. You need a defenseman. You need a top-pairing defenseman didn't still. Didn't he trade <laughs> Tyler Sagan for Louis Erickson? Yeah, you're right. They, does Adam Larson have a brother they can trade for? <laughs> he said a top-pairing defenseman. 
if you're Edmonton, the only name I found, the only comparable name I found that you can point to and be like, hey, this is how much this guy's getting, is Mark Shifley, who's got a $6.1 million cap hit in Winnipeg. So you're not getting dry style for $6.1 million, no. but Shifley's a center who just had 32 goals and 82 points. But still... They just gave a center who plays for the Oilers twelve and a half million dollars. Yeah, that is the big problem here. If the, the agent will be pounding his fist on the table, reminding him of that. You can't say, "Well, that GM made a mistake," or "Well, that GM." No, you you made the you mistake. did this, or not mistake. I mean, you had to pay McDavid. Your mistake was doing it first and putting yourself in this position. But you know, who right? Because you could have. I mean, your even your language with Connor McDavid. Uh, you. While people were speculating on over $13 million a year, you could have said, look, I'm not going to get into this. There's been some wild speculation about how much we might pay him. You don't even have to say you're not going to pay him that much, but you can somewhat diffuse those rumors so the agent for Drysaddle really doesn't have a clear sense of what you're going to pay Connor McDavid. Yeah, he can't. Exactly. But now he has. Yes. Now he has concrete numbers. My player is not worth $5 million less a season than Connor McDavid. Tricycle's agent was the third happiest person in the world the day McDavid signed his contract behind yeah. McDavid and McDavid's agent. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what they do there. Because, I mean, you, you have to walk a fine line because they have so much money tied up, like you said, in McDavid and Lucic, but then also Nugent Hopkins. You're, aren't you almost better off since neither one of you read my story, which was brilliant, by the way. Aren't I was on you, vacation. Aren't you almost, it's great if, if you're laying on a beach, it's the perfect thing to read with like one of those beach drinks. Oh, that's a shame. I was laying on a beach yesterday. Well, good for you. Don't it. brag. Uh, in a way, aren't you almost better off with Leon Dreisaitl holding out for a couple weeks than overpaying him? Because you can't afford to overpay him. Are you assuming that he's going to eventually come to his senses and agree to a $7.8 million deal? I don't know. What would you pay him if he was just an unrestricted free agent and you're not the Oilers? I don't know. That's a question for guys yeah. who do comparables, but I mean, if you're offer-sheeting him, you're you're offering him more than some people say they want him to sign for, right? But realistically... Is, is it a $9 million average I, I annual value? I think on the open market, that's, I think, a reasonable number to expect. Nine? Yes. Because I think if, if he it, was available just now, now, if you're offer-sheeting him, you obviously you know about the first-round picks you come back, so I do wonder, it, does that knock that number down to a point where it doesn't... They're not going to actually keep him away from the Oilers, but... But on the open, if he was a free agent, an unrestricted free agent tomorrow, he would have said, I think he would get, somebody would offer him around $9 million. Which might be overpaying, by the way. Probably but, is. But it's but, just, like you said, it's, you have external factors weighing in on the contract he's going to sign. They've put themselves in this situation. No concern at all. I mean, he had 51 points two seasons ago. We all just assumed that that was just... Of course there's concern. He's 21. Development. It's too much money for him to be making, probably. But... They but, just broke the bank on Connor McDavid, and Tricell had a really nice playoff. And again, that, that, that's the problem. They, this, they've almost put themselves in like self-arbitration, where they're <laughs> now going to have to walk into that room and actively talk him down in comparison to his teammate. And I just, that's a right. real nice dynamic to have. In the exactly. Water. But he had more points. He had more points than McDavid. A lot more points. He had more goals, too. And, and he was, was also much very, more, very, very, very good in the regular season. He wasn't yep. just good in the playoffs. 77 points in yeah. the regular season. Yeah. So he had more points than McDavid in the playoffs. He had more goals than McDavid in the regular season. And, look, he was a better player in the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying that he's a better player than Connor McDavid. I think we all agree McDavid's going to be the best in the league here mm-hmm. in very short order. But that doesn't mean that you 
don't want to keep Drysidle too, and I just. But he's it, not five million dollars worse, and I think no. that's the problem. It's not even if you if you want to look at it even closer, is that's like saying he's about forty percent worse. That's even that to me is almost. If you go to Drysidle and you say, uh, we think McDavid's about the equivalent of one and a half of you. I mean, that's. Yeah. That's fairly insulting. After yes, it is. You can, it's a no-win situation now because you, no matter how you frame this, you're telling this player he's worth far less to you than Connor McDavid. If I was going to offer sheet him, I would be doing it not with the intention of injuring the Oilers. I feel like they can do that to themselves in terms of salary cap structure. Well, they've shown that they're very capable of I, that. Yeah. <laughs> I would just want to get Drysidle, and at that point, is nine point five million too much? I'm not sure nine forty five million would stop the Oilers from taking. I think they would still match. I think and then maybe, maybe if you get big trouble north of ten, you start to be maybe that's the conversation. I mean, then at that point you're in Taves Kane range. Well, that but that's the, but realistically, how high of a contract would it have to be for the Oilers to say no? We're complete. We're letting him walk for nothing. Well, it's not for nothing. It's going to be four first round picks, but, which which they would turn which all is not number nothing. one overall and, picks. And, and nobody's going to give that kind of offer sheet, so right? So I just I can't I can't. See nobody's going to offer this guy ten eleven million dollars. I just I, that that would be a mistake no, by I, anybody. I, I still think the that. best offer sheets are for these mid level guys that you can Probably. overpay maybe by a million or a million and a half on cap strap teams. And okay, fine, take my second round pick. See, I would rather have a guy that might be a franchise center. Well, you would, but the, the likelihood of using an offer sheet is probably more likely on a mid-level guy because it's going to be on a top guy. There's a thin line to walk. Well, because with, again, because now like not this. only are you paying all that money, you have to pay so much more money than the other team is willing to take on. And give them picks. And you have to give them four first-round picks. You almost have to do what Philadelphia tried to do to Nashville and take a team that is actually capital strapped at the time and say, we're going to try to put a poison pill in here where you're going to have to pay up a lot of money up front to keep this guy. And it didn't work, but it, that was the best-case scenario for that. If the actual owner it's himself or herself doesn't actually isn't worried about the financial side of it, it's going to be really hard to just do it cap-based that makes sense for the team to make that offer sheet. I hear all of this. I'm still surprised one of the other 30 teams. I mean, you're running, you're running such a risk as the Oilers letting this drag out. One of them. It only takes one team, one desperate Vancouver. Why wouldn't Vancouver do it? Vancouver does things like this. They think they're contenders. And I know a lot of people have been talking about how we might see a lot more offer sheets in the future. Uh, again, I'll, I'll believe it when I see yeah. it. Well, with this right here, I'll believe it when I see it, too. Just like, oh, it's going to be a really active trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the trade deadline's just dead forever now. I'm, I'm not going to get excited about it anymore. Chicago will do something. The actual Because they'll have the host of money. Yeah, you guys somehow have money now. Well, yeah, they will at the dread deadline. They don't know. Don't have it yet. They're still in a horrible situation with a terrible blue line. Um, let's see. What we got else? Duncan Keith and a bunch of guys. Bunch of guys. Guys. Hey, Bunch of look guys. At, look at these guys. That's that Seabrook. That, he still hasn't moved yet this summer. Mm. Uh, Mikhail Sergachev says he's ready for the NHL. That's just the headline I'm throwing at you because it's July 20th. Uh, Valerie Nichushkin might be back in Dallas next next season, so 2018-19. Sure. Which, as I said earlier, I'm assuming he's. <laughs> Trying to wait through sure. Ken Hitchcock. Oh, that's a wow, faux pas. That's a faux pas. We're leaving that in, too. Whose phone was it? Well, let's see. Jamie? Where's your... Oh, it wasn't Jamie's phone. I would never okay. do that. Uh, nobody's phone went off the last four weeks when Craig wasn't here. Wow. You can save yourself, though, if this is breaking news on Valerie Nachushkin. Well, no. it's a call I have to return, but it's okay. not a big deal. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau. 
Johnny Gaudreau, you really week. want to talk about this. Well, unless you guys have other topics you really want to get into today. I was looking for a quick exit, actually. You? Yeah, I'll stay. Well, sure, sure. We'll, we'll humor you. Yeah, humor me. I want to okay. talk about hockey. Okay. Johnny Gaudreau, uh, basically, not saying the, the Flames only have three years, but sort of drew attention to the fact that the next three years are sort of when they're set up the best. Now, he's signed past that, I believe, and so is Sean Monaghan, but the, the rest of the group they have is, is set up now for the next three years, and if that's the case, then is this the Flames' window to start making a push? Because for the longest time we've been talking about them rebuilding, and they seem like they're ready to take off if they didn't already last year. I mean, when you look at their cap situation, I'd also analyze what he's talking about. I mean, Backlund's a free agent after this next season. Um, Troy Brower is probably a guy that they'd want to replace by then anyway. Michael Froelich, same thing. So you're probably looking at their blue line when T.J. Brody and... Travis Hamonic's contracts are yeah. expired. Those are the guys. I think you're looking at those two guys. I mean, you, you might have the flexibility by then. I, I don't know. What do you think, Jamie? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that that three-year win, three window would, in my mind, say that they're ready to win the Cup this year and for the next two years. I think they're more likely to be a true cup contender two to three years from now than they are this year. But, I mean, I look at some of the pieces that they have there. I, I can understand the, the urgency to say, okay, we, now we finally have a goaltender, at least that they believe they do. And a super speed. solid top four. We have, I mean, outside of Nashville, the best defensive core, top, top two defensive pairings in the league. Yeah. We've got a lot of good young forward talent. If they get anything from Sam Bennett this year, they'll be above what they were last year. So I could see them saying, hey, you know, this is, this is, we need to win now. We're not looking five years in the future. But I also don't think they're in the prime of their cup window quite yet. Yeah. And I'm not sure Johnny Goudreau has had an in-depth conversation with Brad Treleving to gauge his thoughts on the window. Oh. If it's actually so. three years and then, oh, we're in trouble. I'm not sure Brad would have the same response. But Probably not. Just saying. Uh, Sam Bennett is still an RFA. Can yes, we offer he is. Him? That's, that's a little more affordable. I mean, Calgary's going to match anything there. Yeah. A million dollars for every pull-up? So free <laughs> is what you're saying. All right, let's, uh, let's close on this. Yo, remember you guys... when they uh, – do, do you know why he's an RFA this year? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. Because they burned through oh, a year. That's right. They, for... they, they oh, are we here again? Two playoff games in a series they were here again. Win. But they yeah. won the cup that year, didn't they? No? Oh, yeah, no. No. But they're going to win it in the next three years, though. Yeah, oh. no, look at you, so Canadian-sounding. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Uh, back to the Coyotes, then, to wrap this up. Back to the Coyotes. I thought we were going to talk about O.J. Simpson. No. Jamie mentioned O.J. Simpson. I thought we were just going to do O.J. Simpson yeah, analysis because I think there's a market for that. If I did Clearly, that. there's a market for that. Let's talk about O.J. Let's not. Okay. I think what, what Jamie was saying is he wanted orange juice, and you did not. Not only did you I not didn't pick up on that. bring him orange uh, juice. O.J. Simpson was, was, that was, no. that was your cue to me that yes. I should buy orange juice, and Robert Sarver meant coffee. No. Okay. No. Sorry. The record show you didn't bring orange juice or coffee. Yeah, I didn't. I was here waiting for Luke. That's true. That should be the name of this podcast. Waiting, waiting for Luke is for just Luke. the common theme. It's fun, though, isn't it? I've never gotten to fun. experience it myself, so I'm kind of envious of both of fun. you. Fun. Uh, yeah. Robert Sarver. Let's go back to talking about O.J. Simpson. About the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday, I yep. believe. It was yep. Tuesday. Yeah. And people are running with, it wasn't even a quote from the press conference, was it? This was a, a separate conversation he had after. With Scott Bordeaux. 
the new beat writer for AZ Central who actually asked the question, are you interested in partnering with the Coyotes? And he said, highly unlikely. There was a short blog. There wasn't a lot there, but you heard his comments in the press conference that were a little bit more nuanced. He talked about this, this stadium being one of the oldest, will become the second oldest NBA stadium or arena, as some people are freaking out about that, that yeah, distinction. They're not, they're not stadiums, they're arenas. Well, Chicago Stadium was a stadium, yeah. and that housed two indoor teams. Just want to point that out for anybody who's freaking out about that. I feel like there are other details we could be getting hung up on other than You think that. there are more important ones? Okay. It's just, I mean, if we're going to focus on that, this deal is going to get done in 2008. Okay, but he's talking about the square footage. It's, being, it's one of the smallest. They, they need a new arena, and if the city isn't willing to do that, when they have the opportunity to do that in five years, they may explore another location. So it sounds like Robert Sarver really wants a new arena. Specifically, if, if he were to partner with the Coyotes, I'm, I'm not sure he wants to partner with them in a renovated Talking Stick Resort Arena. Of course, he did say highly unlikely, he didn't say no. And if the Coyotes were to come with a sweetheart deal about renovating that arena, maybe he'd change his mind. I don't know how this is going to play out, but I don't think this is the end of talk downtown. I, I think the Coyotes will continue to pursue that. They've got new leadership, obviously. Anthony LeBlanc is no longer spearheading these meetings. It'll be Steve Patterson. Who knows his way around this city, so we'll see how that goes. And it should be noted, Steve Patterson's been on the job for about a week. Right. So I'm guessing he and Robert Sarver really haven't sat down and had any sort of meaningful conversations about this. Safe to assume. And I'll even just say from the actual press conference itself, I mean, I, the way I heard what Robert Sarver was saying, and this is me just interpreting, so who knows if it's right or not, it sounded basically like what you said. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was basically a, if you want me to partner up with the Coyotes, then I want a new arena. I mean, that's what the, the Phoenix Suns ultimately want. I guess people, if they're just listening to this and they don't follow basketball, Robert Sarver is the owner of the Phoenix Suns. And if he he does, I mean, they want a new arena. Sure, they want a new arena. That's, that's the bottom line here. So a lot of what you're hearing is negotiation in the media, right? Yeah. Let me throw it out there, the, you know, the best case scenario that I want, and then we, we can walk it back from there when reality strikes. And their best... The, how, how these things go. The Suns' best chance at getting an arena may very well be partnering with the Coyotes. I had this conversation with somebody the other day who said flat out, what's the Suns' incentive to work with the Coyotes? Well, to me, it would be getting a new arena. Or if the Coyotes... In the city, in, yes. Yes. Yes, I agree. Or if the Coyotes are going to come in and pay for your renovations because they're the ones that... The Suns want renovations too, but... That arena is not built to watch hockey, so there would yeah. have to be renovations. Significant renovations, yeah. and I'm not even sure how that would look. Yeah, and I'm not with, even sure with, that with makes the street right there. Yeah, I don't know if it well does just, either. Might as well just go and get, go get a new arena at that point. If, you, if you're going to pony up that much money, but yeah. the renovation but, is easier to do politically than true. building a new arena. True. So, so we have all this nuance. We need you to go on vacation again so that this can get. Yeah, I don't think me going on vacation is going to impact the arena situation. Go on vacation at the same time. Well, and you've gone on a lot of coral. Yeah, you've you've gone on a lot of vacations in the last nine years, eight years. Yes. And the arena still hasn't been solved. So this this one's this one's out of the the reach of beyond my mojo. Yeah. All right. We have anything else? We're now we're talking about basketball. So. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Anything? Anything good before we wrap up here? Are we gonna? Are we looking at doing? You know, the, uh, hold on. We we talked about Shane Doan as like being a, a we're starting a, over like a president, like a hockey ops type thing. And what you know, where would you, where would you put him? The Suns found a way to make James Jones a part of their front office, so well, apparently anything is possible. As the story was written, I believe on USA Today today, <laughs> that was to bring in LeBron James, right? I mean, that's already started. Good Did luck. Did you see that today? Good luck with that. Good. Yeah. 
luck. I, I do not believe that's why the Suns brought in James Jones. But um, I'm not sure why the Suns brought in James Jones. Are we last summer? Last summer we did three team previews per week, starting right around now. I believe it was the week of July. 4th. Yes, I'm going to reach out to writers, and and I'm assuming that we'll have at least one, maybe two writers on next week's podcast to start our summer series previewing all 31 NHL teams, including the Vegas, not Las Vegas, Golden Knights. So basically the way we did this last year is we usually had one or two beat writers on, and each week we just we had three teams, and we would kind of go through some of the biggest things that they've done in the offseason, what to look forward to in the upcoming season. Obviously it's going to be a little bit different for the teams we do if we start next week than the teams that we're doing in the middle of September. But, uh, but basically, it's just sort of a way to ramp up to the season. It took 10 weeks last year. We are, as we record this today, basically 11 weeks away from puck drop opening night of the season. Sounds perfect. So I'm not sure if we'll do the exact same format or what, but we'll talk about that when we stop recording, which is going to be right now. So do we have 10 weeks? Yeah. So we got to squeeze yeah. them in. So we'll have four one week, three the rest. Yeah, that's fine. We did that last year. We, we talked. Me. Yeah, because we, we talked to... Uh, Steve Carb. Yeah, we talked about Vegas last year. Yes, we did. And now we have a lot more of us stuff to talk about. No games, as Craig pointed out pre-show, but a lot more players. Talk about time. Reed Duke for a whole hour. Oh boy! So make sure you tune into that one. All right. Yeah. It's an AHL fun. broadcast. Craig, it was good to have you back. Thank you. Good Ex- to be here. Excited. Be honest. This is more exciting than being on vacation. <sighs> All right, it's time to go. Yeah. For Jamie Eisen, signing off. For Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. <laughs>